My name is Keith Beavers, and I said it before, and I'll say it again. Demita Joe is the best Janet Jackson album, right? What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode one of Vine Pairs Wine 101 podcast bonus season. That is a lot to say, but we are here at the bonus season, and it's so exciting. It's not easy to read. It's very easy to say, and it is a pleasure to drink. If you guys have not heard of Chocolina, we got to talk about it. If you have and you're confused, let's get some stuff out of the way. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by E&J Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine and spirits. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini and Napa, we want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our full portfolio at BarrelRoom.com. Cheers and all the best. So in 2010, I was invited to this exclusive party in Manhattan. It was in a really kind of like membership only club. It was hosted by a wine importer at the time. And I was, you know, I had a restaurant, I had a wine shop, so I was buying wine. And I was invited to a Chocolina party. I had no idea what that meant. But when I left that party, I was obsessed with this wine. At the party, it was kind of crazy. They had actually kegs of this wine, which was wild. And you'll understand that in a second. Chocolina, if you've not, never heard of it, is awesome. And it should be on your radar. And I'll tell you why. It might be one of the most refreshing wines you'll ever have on your palate. It's crisp. It's refreshing. And I don't know if you remember the Portugal episode, but it has a slight effervescence to it, just like the Vino Verde wines do in the Minho region in northern Portugal. But it's a whole different story for where these wines come from. And the wines are very interesting, but even more interesting is where the wines are from. The northern part of Spain, in a place called the Basque Country. To some, it's called Basque. To others, it's called Pais Vascos. And to others, it's called Uzgadi. I can't admit to fully understanding this, but Spain is made up of 17 what are called autonomous regions. And from what I understand, they're not like states, like in the United States of America, but they do have borders and they do have their own governments within them just like states would have their own state constitutions. But the leadership of these regions are actually presidents and not governors. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, I don't know, I don't really understand it too much. But what I do know is that the Basque region of Spain is known as, the words that are used when you look this up, ferociously independent, more so than a lot of other regions in Spain. And it kind of, well, it makes sense. Reading about the history of this part of Spain or this part of the world, reading about these the people of this country is just, inc- it's fascinating stuff. It's one of the most, I think it's like a, a historical anomaly, if you will. 
the the Basque region is very small and the northeastern part uh, kind of like part of Spain bordered by the Pyrenees to the east the Bay of Biscay to the north the Cantabrian mountains to the west and the Rioja region the Ebro River to the south but at one time the Basque country was known as Vascon or Vascone V A S C-O-N-E. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. But their territory went from the Ebro River, which is now south of the Basque Country, over the Pyrenees going north to the River Garonne, which is the southern river that borders Bordeaux. That's a lot of real estate, am I right? Now, the of course, it's a very complicated history. It's fascinating and it's complicated but over time, it gets decimated, it gets smaller and smaller until it's this smaller area in the northeastern part of Spain. But what's really cool is that even though this land and the people of this land were, you know, they were restricted more and more of their land, one thing that never happened to the people of the Basque region is that their language was never Romanized. So the language they speak is ancient and it's to the point where there's a lot of theories as to where it came from, but it is a a language that is at at one time at once when you look at it, it's very confusing, but at the same time, just extremely fascinating and and beautiful. Unless of course I'm pronouncing it. So I'm going to try my hardest, but I apologize in advance for anything sounding weird because it's not the language It's me. And what can be confusing is that there are multiple names for this area. Outside the border of the Basque country, it's often referred to as Bais Vascos, which is a reference to the old ancient region that it it once was, the old country. And in general, it's called the Basque country, which you see if you're looking at the wine situation. And Basque is said to be an evolution of the word Vascon. But within the borders of the Basque country, they call their land Uskal Heredia. I'm probably butchering that, butchering that, but it means our country. And their language, which we refer to as Basque, for them is called Euskara, E-U-S-K-A-R-A. Of course, Spanish is spoken here, but this is their ancient language they, they're really holding on to. And when it comes to the wine, they use the ancient language for that. And the wine situation in this area is interesting because about a hundred years ago, or a little bit more, there was a very healthy wine growing region going on here. But that little louse, which we talked about last season, phylloxera, completely destroyed that. And it never really came back to what it once was. This region of Spain, because it's protected by a mountain range, the Cantabrian Mountains and the Basque Mountain Range, it is very wet. It's a high elevation. It's very mountainous. It's very close to the Bay of Biscay, which is the Atlantic Ocean. And because of that mountain range, a lot of the rains get trapped in that region. So it's not the best wine grape growing region. Just like Champagne is not the best wine grape growing region. 
And just like champagne, they wouldn't let a little bit of rain and weird weather get them down after Phylloxera. And these wine growers and winemakers in the Basque region held firm to their local varieties and built a small yet very significant local wine market that eventually moved its way you know, out of the region, and but not to a lot of places. Actually, this kind of wine that is made here comes to us and then goes to Germany, but most of it is localized and consumed there, which is one of the reasons why wines coming out of the Basque region have the local language on the labels because like you know the majority of it is consumed there. So but what's cool about all this is that even though the language is a little bit foreign, really foreign because it's ancient to a lot of people, the terms are pretty simple. So there are two varieties that are used to make wine in the Basque region is a white grape called Ondaribi Zuri and a red wine grape called Onduribi Belza. And that sounds very different, but all it really means is Zuri means white in Basque. Ondaribi is a reference to a town. So it's the white grape of the town Ondaribia in the foothills of the Pyrenees. And Belza means red in, in Basque. So Ondaribi Belza is the red wine grape of the town of Ondaribia. And that's just a reference to where they think the variety came from. And these varieties are native to this part of Spain, or at least the Pyrenees. And we're going to get into the, the specific wine regions in a second, but one thing to know is that the majority of the wine made in the Basque region is from Andoribizuri, the white wine. Over 80% of the wine made in this area is white wine. Andoribi Belza, the red wine grape, does make red wine. It's kind of thin, peppery. Not thin, it's just light and peppery. It's very good. Um, but you don't see it on the American market. I've had it. I had a chance to have it. I was very lucky to have it. You're not going to see it around. But if you do, it's kind of like Cab Franc, but a little juicier. On our market, if we ever see it, it's in a rosé version. It's blended a little bit into the white for rosés from this area. In the Basque country, there are three DOs, or three appellations. And they're some of the smallest wine regions in Spain. And here is where the word chocolina comes into play. Chocoli, which in the Basque language is spelled T-X-A-K-O-L-I, roughly means village. So Chocolina is of the village, basically. And each of the three DOs in the Basque region that make Chocolina is the word Chocolina is a reference to where the wine is made. The first wine region to be awarded to this region, which was in 1989, is the most popular one, of course, and it's in the eastern, eastern part of the Basque region, about 18 miles from the French border, so very close to the Pyrenees. And the vineyards are mostly in from the coast, just south of a main coastal town called Hitaria. And the appellation is called Hitariaico Chacolina. And what that means is the village wine of Hitaria. Now get this, this wine region has only 201 acres under vine. 
It is the principal wine region of the Basque country, one of the smallest in Spain, but the largest in the Basque. It's crazy. It's about 25 miles away from San Sebastian, so it has a really big tourist attraction very close to it. This is where the, you know, where tapas are from. And, well, it's called San Sebastian, but in the Basque country, they call it Donostia. And this appellation really defines what this wine is to us as an American market. It is, it is mostly made, they're all mostly white. There's some rosé, but they're mostly white. They're made from the Andaribi Zori variety. And they're, they're made in a way that has a slight fizziness to them. The thing about this area is everything is about height. The vines were once trained at a great height so that funguses couldn't, you know, get a hold of these grapes because it's in such a rainy region. The, the wineries, the, the, the land itself is very high at ele- is a, is a significant elevation because it's right before a mountain range. And because of its fizzy nature, it's a tradition in this area to pour, actually all three now, is to pour Chocolina from a great height into the glass to get the fizziness going. So here they make the most out of the 201 acres under vine that they can, giving us some of it, giving Germany some of it, but giving a lot to themselves. And good on them. I mean, it is their village wine, right? Going west along the coast from Hitaria, we run into one of the major cities of the Basque region. It's called Bilbao. It's a very industrial city. It's highly populated. But surrounding Bilbao is the Basque country's second largest wine region at 144 acres. It's named after the province that it's located in, which is called Bizkaia. So the name of the Dio is Bizkaiko. Chocolina, or Chocolate de Vizcaya, basically the village wine of this province. Of course, the province is also called Vizcaya, which is a reference to the Biscay Bay, which is reference to the Vascone country, which is reference to Basque. It's all interconnected. These vineyards are also uh, just in from the coast. And what's unique about this particular wine region is that it has a predominance of a grape called Folle Blanche. This is a grape derived from Guay Blanc, which we talked about all the way in the first season. So it's very old school. And here they call it Bordeleza Zuria. And because of its predominance, the it, it's blended with Andaribi Zuri. So the result is just, the it's like a clean, crisp, fizzy white wine with a touch of herbaceousness. Now the thing is, 144 acres, we're not going to see a lot of this on the American market. You, If you're looking for it, you can find it. You'd probably get it delivered to you, but it's not easy to find. And this was the second of the three awarded to the region in 1994. The last of the three we shouldn't even really talk about because there's only 50 acres in the region <laughs> under Vine. It's south of Bilbao in the Basque Mountains, And it's still humid here. It doesn't get above 68 degrees Fahrenheit in this part of the Basque country. It's more south towards the Ebro River, so it's kind of bordering on the northern part of Rioja. And it's located in the province of Araba, or Alva, which is what gives name to the Dio, which is called Arabaco Chacalina, the village wine of this province. And as usual, they have Andaribi Zuri, Andaribi Belza, but they also have a grape called Gromansang and Petit Mansang, which are very prominent over the Pyrenees in southwest France. But here, 
They don't call them that, of course. It's the Basque country. They call petite men saying, Is Kiriota Tipia. I'm trying to get this right. And Is Kiriota. Just Is Kiriota. Now, I ain't going to lie. I've never tried these wines. I don't know. There's only 50 acres. If anybody knows how to get a bottle from that place, please let me know. I want to try it. So that is the Basque region. That is the wine made there. That is Chocolina, the village wine of the Basque region. It's, we're really only going to have the Hirtaraiko Chocolina, and that is going to be just clean and fizzy and, and bright fruit. It's always consumed young. These wines, doesn't matter the uh, region or DO of all three of them. These, don't, these aren't age-worthy wines. These are wines to be celebrated now and that's one of the reasons why it's consumed so much in the region is because it's enjoyed young from a height poured into a glass made fizzy pairs with tapas oh man chocolina you got to get into chocolina guys it's awesome and it's around the rosé is very cool you get that little hint of pepperiness because Andaribi Belta can have that little Keb Franc thing that I said and I have this idea Keb Franc's from this area huh Okay, I'm going to digress. But you get a little bit of that peppery note from the Andaribi Belta in the rosés from Chocolina. Guys, enjoy. Oh, and that 2010 party I went to, if you can find Chocolina in a keg, it's awesome. It's not a tra- as traditional as pouring from a great height from a bottle, but pouring from a great height... From a keg hose, it's just a little easier to get into the glass. Okay, I'll talk to you guys next week. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by E&J Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine and spirits. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with LaMarca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini and Napa. We want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our food portfolio at barrelroom.com. Cheers and all the best.